Aren't you glad it's all under his control this morning? We're sure glad to see you. I want to invite you to grab your handbook, stand to your feet. Uh, thank you for coming out on this July morning. Brother Ken's going to come lead us now. Let's make a joyful noise. Brother Ken. Amen. In your blue songbook this morning, hymn number 246, Redeemed How I Love to Proclaim It. We'll sing the first, second, and last verse this morning, hymn number 246. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed through His infinite mercy. His child and forever I am. Redeemed, redeemed. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Sister Rachel Perry, uh, she's at home, but pray for her if you would. And then pray for Sister Joanna Moore, Preacher Moore's wife, uh, who, of course, he used to pastor here. Uh, she fell this week, broke her ankle, is that right, babe? Leg, broke her leg. She's in the hospital. Uh, pray for her if you would. Pray for services today. Uh, uh, Brother Carl, come make your way up to the platform if you would. Open us up in prayer. I want you to ask the Lord to meet with us. We need God's presence in our midst today. And if he's here, everything will be done just right. So let's pray the Lord to meet with us. Brother Carl, you take us to the throne room if you would. Most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you again for the opportunity to be back in your house. God, we thank you for a country we're still able to come to. Uh, church and to worship you freely. And God, we just ask that you'd help us to put all things aside this morning, God, and focus oh, God, only on you and today. only to be here to worship you, God. And God, if there's one here lost this morning that doesn't know you, God, we pray that they'd accept you before it's everlasting yeah, yeah, too late. God, we don't know how much longer that we'll have this right and this freedom that we have now. And God, they don't know how much longer they'll have before it's that time that that they go to their permanent home, whether it's heaven or hell. Well, God, we pray that if they're here today, that they'd accept you before it's too late. God, we just ask that you'd be with the many requests mentioned this morning. God, for the ones that are sick, we ask that you touch and heal them according to your will. God, we just ask that you'd be with our pastor this morning. God, just give him the message we stand most in need of. 
God, we just ask you to help each one of us have receptive hearts. Bless through the remainder of the service. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I want you to listen to this powerful song. I am glad that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. You listen to the choir sing this morning at the name of Jesus.
one more for you this morning. I'm glad because of the name of Jesus we can say we made it by grace. You listen as Matt sings the college classic, I made it by grace.
Thank you so much. I love that song, Made It By Grace. Uh, appreciate it so much. Good job, Matt. I, I wanted him to sing it four or five more songs, but I was afraid the blood would go to his head. Amen. Now, that's awesome, Matthew. Appreciate that. Let me give you several uh, announcements this morning uh, just before our little ones go out. First of all, I want to say a big thank you to the parents uh, that allowed their teens to go with us to conference this week. We had a fantastic time. And I have to tell you, the teens, uh, our teens, were just incredible. Uh, no issues, no problems. Everybody did what they were supposed to do when they were supposed to do it. Here's the best part, with a good attitude. Somebody say amen. Uh, and uh, over 2,000 teenagers were there this week. Uh, more than 200 of them made professions of faith, walked the aisle to get saved. Amen. It was fantastic. It's just incredible. And it's always awesome to be in that kind of atmosphere, to let our teens be in that kind of atmosphere. I want you to be here tonight to support them. I've asked them to just wear their shirts tonight. Not going to embarrass them. Not going to make them say anything. But I want to support them tonight. In fact, everybody raise your right hand. Everybody raise your hands. Repeat after me. I promise. Be here tonight. Amen. All right. Uh, to uh, support these teenagers uh, 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 because uh, they, if they're willing to do a little something for the Lord, we need to support them. And so you be here tonight if at all possible. I'll, I'll give you more information and details about what happened this week tonight, so just keep that in mind if you would. This coming Wednesday night is, of course, a holiday. We won't do services this Wednesday night on July 4th, uh, so uh, keep that in mind if you would. And then I also want to remind everybody that this month of July is Operation Christmas Child Month. Christmas in July for us. Uh, during the month of July. Uh, I've got all the information there, but if you'll notice, I've got the week one, two, three, and four items. Ignore what I wrote because I didn't do it correctly. I know that's an astounding statement, but uh, uh, what it should be there is what's on the insert of your bulletin. Pay attention to that if you would. Those are the things. It doesn't matter. Bring whatever, whenever. That's right. Bring whatever, whenever. Uh, but anything that you bring, put in Pastor Ken's outer office, and then we will collect all of those things together uh, and make our shoe boxes for the year. We've got a goal of sending out 200 in November for Operation Christmas Child. While I'm on that, a lot of you are also still collecting your quarters in these jars, uh, these medicine jars. Uh, thank you, Mary Margaret, for supplying those for us. Uh, anytime you got them, drop them in the offering plate, grab you some more. There's still some at both entrances. These are going to use to support or to help pay for the shipping on all of the Operation Christmas Child boxes, so we sure appreciate your help in that. A week from today, choir practice at 445. If you're a faithful attendee here, uh, we would love you to join us in our choir at 445 next Sunday. We welcome new folks singing with us, uh, sixth grade and up. Anybody that wants to come on, we have a good time with that. And then uh, don't forget our end of summer jubilee is coming up soon in just a few more weeks. We'll have our ladies jubilee here on Saturday. Uh, August the 4th with Kyla Rowland, and then, of course, Homecoming Sunday will be August the 5th with Brother Heath Williams, and then Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday we'll have Brother C.T. Townsend. We'll be preaching for 7 o'clock each night. The music will be provided by Kyla Rowland and Deliverance. I have to be honest with you, folks. That is a pretty phenomenal lineup uh, uh, for our end of summer jubilee. You need to mark your calendar. You don't want to miss a single night of that. Uh, 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 just some of the best preaching and best singing in America uh, will happen here at SAGBC. So note that down if you would. And then also don't forget, if you haven't signed up for our Christmas production, we'd love for you to sign up and have a part. 
Uh, that's an important, important event that we do every year, so we'd love for you to sign up and take part in that production if you would. All right, let me get all the little ones that are heading to Children's Church and Junior Church. Come on and make your way this morning if you're heading to Children's Church, Junior Church. Come on this morning. Uh, they're going to come around and collect loose change. We call this our penny march. Take off, young folks. Appreciate your gifts as always uh, to help out our children's and ladies' ministries here at the church. Before I get the ushers to come down and Brother Bobby, you come get ready to sing for us, uh, uh, I want to make a quick announcement to you. If you're not a, uh, especially if you're a teenager, young adult, middle aged, uh, not attending Sunday school, I want to share something with you that we're doing downstairs in my Bible study class. We've got classes for all ages. We've got classes here upstairs, and then uh, I do a Bible study Sunday school class downstairs. Brother Ken and I are combining classes for the month of July, uh, and uh, last week I passed out an index card, and I asked all of the folks there to, to write down the things that they struggle with, the issues and the challenges or questions that they've got, and then we would turn those into our topics of discussion 
in Sunday school. I took those to conference with me this past week, and I was deeply impressed by the depth of conversation, the questions that they asked. Uh, some of the things that they asked to help more understand include uh, denominational differences, raising godly kids in an ungodly society, the debate between evolution and creationism, gender roles in the church and society. And so those are the hot topic topics that we're going to be talking about in Sunday school downstairs in my class. And so if you're not an attendee, we'd invite you to be with us. Uh, I'm opening up for discussion and ask, letting them ask questions and pepper with ideas. And the reality is, folks, uh, worship is wonderful, but we got to go out there and live every day. And so being equipped with those kind of answers uh, to do, as Paul says, to be ready to ha give an answer for the hope we have within us is why we're doing that. So if you're not an attendee, we'd invite you to come be with us. All right, fellas, make your way down. Brother Upchurch, you come get ready to sing. You be obedient to the Lord with God's tithe. The tithe belongs to the Lord and his offerings, and God will sure bless you for that. I'm going to pray, and Brother Upchurch is going to sing for us. Lord, we sure love you today. And we're excited to be able to give back that with which you've blessed us. Lord, uh, it is our privilege to tithe and our privilege and our honor, Lord, to, 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 to give abundantly because you've shown us in your economy that's how you operate and that's the way with which you bless us. Lord, I pray for Brother Upchurch as he sings. Bless the preaching to come in Christ's name. Amen. Troubled waters came my way, the angry storm grew near. I prayed for God to speak the words to make it disappear. It seemed the waves would not obey the Master's call for peace. But then the Lord spoke to my soul, Reminded me he had control And said this time his words were meant for me Sometimes he calms the storm Sometimes he calms me Sometimes the storm still rages on but I feel the sweetest peace It's such a joy to know That my Lord knows just what I need Sometimes He calms the storm Sometimes He calms me Circumstance may overtake and bring me to my knees But when I feel I cannot cope With this life's trouble seas I call on Him whose voice can still Much greater storms than these His words bring peace into my soul When He says, child, I'm in control and with one touch, he calms the storm in me. Sometimes he calms the storm, sometimes he calms me. Sometimes the storm still rages on, 
But I feel the sweetest peace It's such a joy to know That my Lord knows just what I need Sometimes He calms the storm Sometimes He calms me It's such a joy to know That my Lord knows just what I need Sometimes He calms the storm Sometimes He calms me Amen. Let's all stand together one more time. You won't need your songbook for this, and it's a song we all know. If you love America, let's all stand, sing God Bless America, then we'll have a time of fellowship. God Bless America this morning.
Amen. Thank you so much. As always, we appreciate your kindness welcoming folks out. Let me just say quickly, if you're visiting with us today, uh, you're never more welcome than what you are here today. We're delighted to have you, delighted to welcome you into our congregation. Uh, we don't mind having a good time. I tell folks all the time, we don't go to church to be bored. I can be bored at the house. Uh, we come to church to worship and enjoy our worship experience. So we welcome you out with us today. Fellas, I invite you down one more time. This is the first Sunday of the month. And that means it's Missions Sunday here at our church. We collect a special offering for missions. And then in addition to that, we give out 14% of all the tithes and offerings to missions as well. And that's how we're able to put nearly 80 missionaries on the field uh, around the country and around the world. And we're honored to be able to do that. And I think that's one of the reasons the Lord blesses our church because of our love for missions. Brother Ken's going to sing. Lord, bless the uh, missions offering. Bless every penny that comes in. And, Lord, every missionary that does the work of the Lord, we thank you for them. It is indeed our honor and our privilege to support them in this capacity. Lord, we love you. We thank you for loving us in Christ's name. Amen. They try to tell me that my sin was going down but I wouldn't listen for Satan had me bound ruined and hopeless alone in my shame but praise God he heard me when I called his name my Lord in mercy sent a ship for me when I was sinking on life's troubled sea soon in that blessed hope and I shall be my Lord in mercy sent a ship for me when we drop anchor on the other side in that blessed homeland where all the saints abide if someone were to question just how the likes of me could make it to heaven, this my answer shall be.
love that. Psalm 33, please, if you would, church. Psalm 33, if you would, please, this morning. Psalm 33. We will read verses 1 through 12 this morning. Oftentimes when I preach a message, most of the time I will write it down, the topic, the passage uh, in my records that I keep. I keep detailed records of what I've preached and when because I don't want to repeat myself. Uh, and, and I'll put it aside and, and perhaps look at it again at some time in the future. Then there are a handful of messages that I just keep updating year after year, time after time as I get more information as the Lord lays different things on my heart. And the message that I typically preach sometime around the 4th of July is one of the messages that I am always updating. I'll give you a quick background about this as to why I think the Lord led us this direction several years ago. And what I'm going to talk about this morning is an absolute passion of mine. Uh, and in fact, uh, uh, something that, that I study regularly. Several years ago, uh, I was with my family. We were standing in Cracker Barrel, also known as the closest thing this side of heaven. Amen. I, told, I took the teens to Cracker Barrel one day this week for dinner, and I said, uh, if you don't like Cracker Barrel, A, you're not saved, and B, you're probably a communist. Amen. Uh, I was standing in Cracker Barrel, and uh, they, at that particular time, it was around the 4th of July, had an Americana display. And I looked down and I saw two volumes of history uh, written by someone you may be familiar with, Dr. William Bennett, who was the former Secretary of Education under Ronald Reagan. It was a two-volume series that he entitled, America, The Last Best Hope. And in short, what it was was Dr. Bennett's attempt to stop the tide of revisionist history that was propagating throughout America. If you read most modern history books, references to Christ and Christianity have been completely removed. I want to pause a moment and say that is revisionist history. By that I mean if you want to really study the founding of this country, you cannot ignore the Christ-based principles on which this nation was founded. To do so is to completely eradicate what was the real history of this country. Subsequent to that, a few nights later, in fact, I was riding somewhere, had on uh, talk radio, as I'm often to do when I'm driving, and I heard a particular conversation between... Uh, the radio announcer and the guests that he had. Again, this was during the 4th of July time frame several years ago. And the announcer made the statement, why do Christians think they had anything special to do with the founding of this country? The guest said the following, anybody who reads history books knows that Christianity was no more involved in America's founding than any other religion. Now, the simple truth is, if you read most history books, that's the idea you'd get. If you read most history today, you would not understand and you would not get the fact that this nation was not just founded by believers of Christ, it was founded upon the principles of Christ. And I will say again, 
to remove the impact of Jesus Christ from America is to deny the very thing that made this nation great. So let's look this morning, if you would please, at Psalm 33. Psalm 33, beginning in verse number 1. Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for praise is comely for the upright. Praise the Lord with harp, sing unto him with psaltery and an instrument of ten strings. Sing unto him a new song, play skillfully with a loud noise. I don't know about you, but it sounds to me like God enjoys a good old-fashioned worship service. Verse 4. For the word of the Lord is right, and all his works are done in truth. He loveth the righteous and judgment. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathereth the waters of sea together as a heap. He layeth up the depth in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spake and it was done. We could stop right there and say amen for about an hour. For he spake and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. He maketh the devices of the people of none effect. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever. The thoughts of his heart to all generations. And verse 12. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. Father, we come to you today nearly on the eve of the celebration of the founding of this great country. Lord, as we stand here this morning, uh, we do so uh, under the reality of the simple fact that America is still the greatest country on this earth. Lord, I believe with all of my heart that America is good because America is great. Because we have been founded on the principles of the Word of God. Lord, to deny that is to deny the heritage that has made this nation so strong, so powerful, and so righteous. Lord, we recognize that so many errors and so many problems have crept in. So, Lord, it's my desire this morning as we pause for just a few moments to remember this great nation and celebrate the influence of the faith on this nation Lord, that we would walk out of here with our shoulders back and our head held high, uh, celebrating the fact that America was founded as a Christian nation. Lord, bless the outline that you've given me. Made in part to us uh, what we need to hear today, and most especially, if there's anybody in the sound of my voice that's not a believer, that's never accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, may this moment May this day, may this hour be their day of independence as well. We'll thank you and we'll praise you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. There's not too many years around this time period that I don't talk about the influence of Christianity upon America. That's the title of the message. It's a title that I've used almost yearly. 
It's something that I add to all the time. In fact, I think when I first preached a message like this about 12, 13 years ago, it may have been 10 or 15 minutes long. And now, uh, as I add things to it every year, uh, it gets longer and longer, and I've decided that once the message gets to about four hours, I'm just going to write a book. Amen. (laughs) I'm not going to keep you four hours, I promise. But I do want you to listen very intensely and very carefully to what I'm about to say. I will tell you up front that a lot of what I'm going to share with you this morning are things that I'm going to have to read. Because I want, to, I want you to listen with great intentionality today. With the idea of when you walk out of here, you will recognize that you will understand that this great nation was founded by believers, for believers, for the purpose of expanding the belief in Jesus Christ. I will preface my comments by saying I'm not silly enough to think that every colonist, every founding father, or every founding mother was a believer. I am not suggesting that. In fact, uh, one of the great philosophies uh, during the colonial period of American history is a philosophy known as deism. And there were many colonists who ascribed to that philosophy which simply believes that God exists uh, and is ultimately responsible for the universe, uh, but he does not interfere daily with affairs of mankind. Uh, That was a very popular philosophy during the colonial period, but it was the minority philosophy. The majority of colonists, uh, the majority of the founding fathers and the founding mothers uh, were old-fashioned born-again believers uh, who propagated the fact that they were washed in the blood of the Lamb. I'm going to prove that to you this morning. I don't want you to accept it at my word. I don't want you to take from me the fact uh, that this country was founded as a Christian nation. Uh, I want you to listen with intentionality uh, so that when you walk out of here, you will be able to say, uh, there is so much evidence uh, about this statement that it is literally undeniable this country was founded as a Christian nation. Four things I'm going to give you. Number one, note with me, that America was founded on the Christian faith. America was founded, created on the Christian faith. A study of the true history of this country reveals the fingerprint of the Judeo-Christian belief system all over it. Let me give you very quickly some historical facts that prove what I'm saying. In 1607, the first colony was created Landing in Jamestown, Virginia, the first building that was built and the only original building that still stands today was the Jamestown Church. The Puritans landed at Plymouth Rock. The first thing they did was to kneel, praise, and dedicate the new colony to Jesus Christ. Roger Williams, who was a Baptist minister, established the colony known as Rhode Island. The first official act of Lord Baltimore uh, when he established the colony of Maryland uh, was to hold a church service. 
William Penn, uh, who was a Quaker, established uh, the colonies of Pennsylvania, New York, Delaware, Connecticut, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Georgia. And when you read his writings, uh, there is no doubt uh, that he founded it uh, not just as a believer, uh, but he created these colonies uh, for the establishment and promotion of Jesus Christ. He writes the following, All treasures, uh, judges, uh, and all elective officials must profess faith in Jesus Christ. Our founding fathers consistently spoke of the need for utilizing the Bible as the framework for this great experiment known as America. What's the proof? I'm glad you asked. Twelve of the original 13 colonies incorporated the entire Ten Commandments into their civil code. The legislature of New York had in its original legislation, this is a Christian nation. The House of Representatives, uh, across from the Speaker, uh, was built uh, a sculpture of Moses. George Washington said, it is impossible to govern the world uh, without God and the Bible. It was the first Chief Justice uh, of the United States Supreme Court who declared uh, that the United States was a Christian nation. Uh, Plymouth Colony Charter uh, established uh, to advance, I quote, the enlargement of the Christian religion uh, to the glory of God. Uh, and the Delaware Charter uh, defines the purpose of the colony to promote uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ. You tell me, church, were we founded as a Christian nation? Let's bring it home locally. The Virginia Charter and the great commonwealth in which we reside said the following. Christians uh, should propagate uh, their religion to such people who yet live in ignorance uh, of the true worship of God. The Rhode Island Compact said, We submit our persons, uh, our lives, and our estates into the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and I think most impressively of all, uh, 94% of the writings uh, of the founding fathers uh, contain direct quotations from the Bible. Yet revisionist historians are trying to convince us that the worship of Christ mattered not in America. Patrick Henry the first governor of Virginia and a member of the Continental Congress. Uh, most folks know Patrick Henry for his give me liberty or give me death speech. Uh, said the following at his inauguration. It cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not on religion but by Christians. Uh, not by religionists but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can you imagine a governor saying that today? Our nation's motto is in God we trust. Our pledge is to one nation under God. Challenging our faith is nothing new. In fact, Benjamin Franklin was challenged about opening up services or opening up a political session with a prayer. Those who were non-believers challenged him about the idea of having a political session in prayer. Here's what he said. Sir, I've lived a long time and the longer I live, the more convincing I see of this truth, that God of the Bible governs in the affairs of men. And if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, is it profitable that we can build in a country without his aid? We have been assured, sir, in the writings of Scripture, that except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain who build it. So, sir, we will open this and every session in prayer to Jesus Christ. We hear all the time about the separation of church and state. 
We hear it so often that believers have become intimidated by it. Let me give you a scary thought, church. Read the Constitution. There is no mention of separation of church and state in the Constitution. Would you like to know where the phrase first appeared? Karl Marx's Communist Manifesto is where the separation of church and state was first penned. When it made its way into this country, it was written by the principal framer of the Constitution and third president, Thomas Jefferson, writing to the Danbury Baptist Association, promising that the government would not interfere with the church. Nothing to do with the church interfering with government. In fact, may I be blunt? Read our nation's history. The link between government and church is inseparable. God founded this country. Our sixth president, John Quincy Adams, said the following. No book in the world deserves to be so unceasingly studied and profoundly meditated upon as the Bible. John Jay, who was one of the authors of the Federalist Papers and became America's first Supreme Court Justice, said, it is the duty of this Christian nation to select and prefer Christian rulers of this great country. You won't read that in a history book. You won't read those statements anywhere. These are very clearly statements, in my opinion, that this nation was founded by, upon the Christian faith. But let me take it a step further. Not only was this nation founded upon the Christian faith, this nation was fostered by the Christian faith. It wasn't just the colonists who came here and said, one nation under God, in God we trust. It was everybody, if you will, who rose to supremacy and power, who took the sacred writings, if you will, to a brand new level. Again, if you'll allow me just a moment, let me give you some direct quotes, if I may. Quotes that will remind you uh, that the God you serve uh, is the reason that this nation is great. George Washington, America's first president, his faith is now being questioned by revisionist historians. The great biographer, secular biographer, Dr. James Kennedy, says that the best the best recollection to identify George Washington is his own diary. George Washington was not prone to writing much. And so each evening, after the age of about 20, he would keep a little diary. May I read to you a direct quote from George Washington's diary, which you can read now in the Library of Congress. You can go online and read it. That's where I found it. Here's an excerpt that he wrote with his own hand. Jesus Christ. Direct my thoughts, words, and my work. Wash away my sins in the immaculate blood of the Lamb. Purge my heart by thy Holy Spirit. Thou gavest thy Son to die for me. Pardon my sins for the sake of thy Son, my only Savior, Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but that sounds eerily Christian to me. And so now today, uh, when I read revisionist historians uh, who try to question uh, whether or not George Washington was a believer, uh, I simply go back to this diary excerpt uh, where he says, Wash away my sins in the blood of the Lamb. And I think to myself, if that's not a Christian, what is? Samuel Adams, 
signer of the Declaration of Independence, ratifier of the U.S. Constitution, and governor of Massachusetts said, I rely upon Jesus Christ for a pardon of my sins. John Adams, signer of the Declaration of Independence, one of the two signers of the Bill of Rights, said, I've examined all religions, and the result of my studies lead me to this simple truth. The Bible is the best book in the world. That's not Greg Hodges. That's John Adams. Notice, if you would, Thomas Jefferson wrote the following. I'm a real Christian. That is to say, I'm a believer. I've been blood washed and baptized in the blood of Jesus Christ. Dr. Benjamin Rush, someone whom you may not know, signer of the Declaration of Independence and father of American medicine said, when the Bible is not read in schools, it's seldom read in any other part of life. Boy, that's an earful right there. He goes on to say the Bible should be read in our schools in preference to all other books because it contains the greatest portion of the kind of knowledge, both public and private happiness. Roger Sherman, whom you may not know, was a sign of the Declaration of Independence, sign of the Constitution, framer of the Bill of Rights, and a U.S. senator. And here's my favorite part. He was an independent fundamental Baptist. Said, I believe there is only one living God and true God existing in three persons, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. In the same substance, uh, Scripture of the Old New Testament are a revelation of God. I believe that the souls of believers are at their death made perfect in the presence of heaven. Uh, and at the end of this world, there will be a resurrection of the dead and a final judgment for all of mankind. The wicked shall be sentenced to everlasting punishment. I don't know about you, but that sounds eerily Christian to me. Joseph's story said, I very, by the way, who was the father of American justice and a U.S. Supreme Court justice said, I believe that Christianity is necessary to support a civil society. Most of our kids have heard of Noah Webster. Webster, well, I don't know. Do you still use a dictionary? No, you have it on your phone. In the ancient days uh, in which before there were iPhones, there was this thing called a dictionary. It was usually a Webster's dictionary. Noah Webster said, uh, all the evils from which men suffer uh, can all be neglected or all come from the neglecting of the God of the Bible. His grandson, Daniel Webster, said the Christian religion must be ever regarded among us as the foundation of a civil society. Whatever makes people good Christians is what makes them good Americans. Wow. John Witherspoon signer of the Declaration of Independence and president of Princeton University said, Jesus is the best friend to the American civil government. Charles Carroll, signer of the Declaration of Independence, said, on the mercy of my Redeemer, I rely for salvation. Gabriel Duval, a soldier, a judge, and the controller of the U.S. Treasury, the first one, and a U.S. Supreme Court justice, said, I resign my soul into the hands of Almighty God. Andrew Jackson president of the United States said the Bible is the rock upon which America rests. Finally, Elias Boudinot, who was my favorite president of Congress, uh, signed the peace treaty to end the American Revolution, said the following, and I'll do, be done with the quotes. He said, were you to ask me to recommend the most valuable book in the world, I would tell you the Bible. Were you to ask me for one book uh, to provide the most pleasing entertainment of the acquiring mind, I would tell you it is the Bible. He goes on to say, I would make the blessed word of God, in short, the alpha and the omega of all knowledge. I submit to you, church, America was founded as a Christian nation. 
Perhaps the greatest revisionist history that's happening today is re-examining the life and faith of Abraham Lincoln. By all accounts, when you fast forward to 1861, America was literally being ripped apart. Civil War had just uh, been announced uh, in 1861. The year prior, Abraham Lincoln had been elected president. He was not from the ivory halls of academia. He was not, if you would, a brilliant academic, but was perhaps one of the greatest, well-read, and smartest presidents our nation has ever had. And like many of those who come from great intellect, he was also given at times to questioning Jesus Christ and doubting the Christian faith. When you read his life story, perhaps you can understand why. His mother died when he was young. He married a woman, Mary Todd, who was given to mental depression. Shortly after their first child was born, uh, Edward, uh, the child died. And then wrong about the same time as the Battle of Gettysburg, their second child, uh, Willie, died, uh, and his wife was institutionalized for mental depression. However, he writes the following, which I believe absolutely speaks to my heart, and I hope it will yours. He says the following, and I quote, When I left Springfield for the American presidency, I asked the people to pray for me, but I was not a Christian. When I buried my first child, I was not a Christian. Then I buried my second son, and I institutionalized my wife. And I went to Gettysburg, and I saw the thousands of soldiers there, he writes, On the sacred ground of Gettysburg, I consecrated myself to Christ and asked him to become my Savior. So yes, I love Jesus with all of my heart. That's Abraham Lincoln's own words. Astoundingly, he would go in Washington, D.C. to the church of Dr. Reginald Gurley who was pastor of the New York Avenue Presbyterian Church. He was a faithful attendee virtually every Sunday morning and Wednesday night. On the Wednesday, listen very carefully, church. On the Wednesday before Easter, he was sitting off to the ante room. He would sit to the side so not to detract from the services. And after service, he said to the pastor, I would like to say a word on Easter Sunday morning about my belief in Jesus Christ. Dr. Gurley says that Lincoln came to him directly and asked if he could speak because he felt it might make a tremendous difference in the American Civil War Union. Of course, the pastor readily agreed. However, on the Friday night before Easter, he and Mary Todd traveled to Ford's Theater to celebrate his election for a second term in office. And you know what happened. I say to you this morning, that though Abraham Lincoln was never able to stand in that Presbyterian church and declare his allegiance to Jesus Christ, I believe he had quite an Easter Sunday morning on that particular day. America was founded on the Christian faith. America was fostered by the Christian faith. And I hope you'll say amen to this. Because of this, God has favored America. We just read it in verse 12. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. 
History is replete with examples of how God miraculously intervened in the affairs of America. Over and over and over, God miraculously intervened. Why? Perhaps it was because a preacher by the name of Francis Bellamy wrote Pledge of Allegiance. Perhaps it was because another preacher by the name of Samuel Smith wrote the hymn, My Country Tis of Thee. Perhaps it was because another preacher uh, wrote the introduction to the First Amendment to the Constitution. Or perhaps it was because prior to 1865, 90% of American college presidents were preachers. Perhaps you weren't aware that Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Brown, Dartmouth, William and Mary Columbia were all founded uh, by Christian preachers uh, and were affiliated with churches. Perhaps you weren't aware that John Harvard, who founded pastor in Charlestown, Massachusetts, and the name for whom Harvard University was created, said this college is created so that everyone may seriously set himself aside in prayer and dedication to Jesus Christ. How far away we've come, church. God has favored America. But would you finish this statement? To whom much is given, much is required you amen me just a moment ago that God has blessed this country because God has blessed this country there are certain things I believe he rightfully expects and when we don't live up to our end of the bargain we should not be surprised when his hand of blessing is removed look at the nation of Israel church you will find every time she turned her back upon God uh, there was judgment that came May I say to you tonight or this morning uh, that enacting more laws is not the answer. Why, preacher? Uh, because there's a murder occurs in this country every 24 minutes. There's a rape in this country every 7 minutes, a robbery every 68 seconds, uh, an assault every 51 seconds, uh, and a violent crime every 27 seconds. All of this means that every 3 seconds in America, a major crime is committed. And let's be honest. We've almost become none to mass murders in our society. There's scarcely a week or a month that goes by that we don't see or hear uh, of another mass shooting. Uh, I have to be very blunt with you. Uh, I listen to both sides of the argument, the gun control argument. Uh, I listen to the intellectual arguments. Uh, I listen to the mental health issues. Uh, but I have yet to hear so many people stand up and say, when we take God out of society, uh, when we remove the Bible out of society, uh, we should not then stand back and be surprised when evil reigns supreme. Religion's not the answer. After all, there are more churches today than ever. Drive around through the Bible Belt of the South, and there's a church on every street corner. In some communities, uh, there are more members of churches on the roads than there are people living in the town. I submit to you this morning, church, God's going to hold America accountable. God's going to hold us accountable for forcing the Bible to be removed from schools. God's going to hold us accountable for banning prayer in public school. I have to chuckle every time I see that. Or every time I think about that, the reality is as long as there's exams in schools, there's going to be prayer in school. Amen. This is what pierces my heart the most. I believe God will fault America for promoting athletes who take a knee in protest while forbidding coaches to take a knee in prayer. Amen. God will fault America for making heroes 
out of men and women who espouse the most heinous of sins and applauding them on a pedestal. So what's the answer? I ask you a simple question. wonder what it will take to get America to turn back to God. I thought 9-11 was going to do it. Some of you may remember, even if you were with us at Amazing Grace, that was right after we started pastoring there. I was astounded by the throngs of people that made their way to church. The day 9-11 occurred, most of the pastors, we made a pact. We flung our doors open. It was not even a Wednesday night, but we flung our doors open just to allow people to come and pray. And churches were packed on the evening of 9-11. And most of the week, the Sunday following, there was scarcely a seat to be found at our church. But it didn't take long. Before, like Israel, we drifted right back away from God. Hurricane Katrina didn't do it. A worldwide economic collapse didn't do it. An economic crisis known as the Great Recession did not do it. What will it take before America wakes up? Preacher, is there hope? There is always hope. There is always a remnant. How do I know? Because God said this. If my people, amen, if my people, which are called by my name, would you say amen if that's you? If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways. Can we pause right there? The hope of America is not on lost people turning from their wicked ways. The hope of America is for believers turning from their wicked ways. I'm going to be blunt and I'm nearly done, but if you want to see one of the reasons why America has walked so far away from God, look no further than our pulpits. When I know that doesn't get popular amens, but when our pulpits are silent on sin, we got a problem. When our pulpits, or when the people behind the pulpits are afraid to open up the Word of God and preach the entire counsel of the Word of God, we got a problem. And what happens is sin gets its way into church. When it gets its, when it gets its way into church, it makes its way into families. It makes its way into society. And then we stand back wondering what happened. So I submit to you, when this preacher or any preacher stands in the pulpit and preaches against sin, don't get mad at him. But thank God still somebody left with a little bit of courage to preach against sin that's what made this nation great study the first great awakening church it happened because Jonathan Edwards nearly blind so so visually impaired that he had to hold his sermon notes here stood up and preached a message called sinners in the hands of an angry God History records uh, that men and women would hold on to the pews, uh, fearful uh, that they were about to be dropped into hell at that very moment. Uh, that's the power of preaching on sin. My people, which are called by my name, humble themselves, pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven will forgive their sin and will heal their land.
Stand to your feet with me this morning. Nobody's looking. I'm going to ask you a very simple question. Very simple question. I know if I were to ask you this morning how many of you are proud to be an American, hands would shoot up. Mine would be first. I look out across the congregation and I see a sea of red, white, and blue, and, and I see folks who are proud to be called an American. But may I say this morning, even if that were removed, I don't know about you, but I would still be proud to be called a Christian. If that's you this morning, if that's you this morning, and you have no question in your mind, you're proud, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, you're a Christian. Nobody looking. Just shoot your hand up and say, thank God I'm saved. Thank God I'm saved. You can put your hands down. I appreciate your honesty. And there's a couple of folks. You didn't raise your hand. Nobody's looking, just me. If you're not 100% sure, you're not sure you're going to go to heaven, but you know you don't want to go to hell. Say, preacher, pray for me. Would you just very softly, very quietly slip that hand up. Let me pray for you. Anyone this morning say, Pastor, I'm not sure. Pray for me. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do this morning. I don't normally do this on a Sunday, but we're going to. Brother Ken's going to sing one verse. And I want to invite everybody that can. Let's just get as close to this altar as we can. Because we're just going to pray for this country. We're just going to pray for our country. Everybody that can, get as close as you can. We won't get everybody up here. Get as close as you can. We're just going to pray for our country. In fact, we're not even going to sing, Brother Ken. I'm just going to, we're just going to pray. I'm going to lead us. And I invite you just to pray right where you are. Pray out loud, pray softly, whatever you want to do, but just let's pray together. Father in heaven, I come to you this morning in the name that is above every name, the precious, precious name of Jesus, the name at whose feet every knee shall bow and at whose voice every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord of all. Lord, just a few days before our celebration of our founding of this country, we want to pause a moment and pray for this country. Lord, I want to pray for the leaders of our country, for our president, for our vice president. Lord, I pray for our congressmen. I pray for the president's cabinet members. Lord, I pray for our governor. Pray for our local leaders. Lord, you've told us in your word to pray for those that have the civil authority over us. So, Lord, we pray for those leaders. Lord, I thank you that it seems to be that folks are rallying this time to pray for our country. 
Lord, I pray that we would continue, those of us that know the Lord, to continue to pray for the leaders of our land. Regardless of whoever is in office, may we lift up those leaders. Lord, I pray this morning for the lack of civility that seems to have crept into our country. Lord, I realize I preached on it last Sunday night, but the reality is our country has never been more divided than it is right now. Lord, that lack of division is sometimes just downright ugly. Lord, help us as believers to recognize and have no part of that. And understand that we can pray and boldly take a stand, but we can display the love of Christ at the same time. Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for the leaders of this church who stand with us. Lord, I pray this morning that we would hold our heads up this week, recognizing the fact that this was and is one nation under God. This is a nation that was founded on the principles of the Judeo-Christian faith and this Bible that we hold in our hands. Lord, we're not ashamed of that. In fact, if you'll forgive us, Lord, we're a little proud of that. We're a little proud of the fact that this nation was founded by four believers. Help us to take a stand in this day. When others want to turn away from God, help us to run to God. <laughs> when others want to revise history, help us to recall history and what this made this great country as wonderful as it is. Lord, I'll pause a moment and say thank you for America. Thank you. God bless America. Lord, we love you. We thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name. Look this way before you go anywhere. Give me the chorus of God bless America. Let's sing it together. God bless America. with each other. You're dismissed. Be back with us tonight at 6 o'clock.